What's up? It's Delaney, and I'd love to invite you to become an honorary co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Do you want to pick episode topics and guests? Done. Want to surprise your loved ones with shout-outs on the show for a birthday, project launch, a much-needed divorce? Whatever you're up to, would love to be a part of the celebration. Get your favorite and least favorite quotes featured on the podcast, submit questions for our special guests, and find lots more new features and surprises at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. You'll also get added to our patron insider email list to easily redeem rewards via a quick email reply because we know hanging out on Patreon isn't everyone's thing. You can also opt out of emails if you prefer to be a silent supporter of the show. And don't worry, we do not Scrooge McDuck these contributions. 100% of proceeds go directly to operating expenses that make this weekly podcast possible and available to all. Learn more at patreon.com selfhelpless or simply click the link in this episode's description. Thank you for helping me fill the void of being the last standing host of the Self Helpless Podcast. Thank you so much. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Hi there. Welcome to another episode of the Self-Helpless Podcast. I'm Delaney Fisher. Kelsey Cook couldn't be here today, but I'm joined by a wonderful guest, Janet Node. Janet is a two-time cancer survivor and motivational speaker, and she is a big proponent of being your own health advocate, practicing gratitude, overcoming fear, and being present. And what's awesome is that Janet has discovered that her message really resonates with people across all age groups. And since our community who tunes into this podcast ranges from ages 18 to 65 plus, I believe everyone can benefit from what she has to share today. In this episode, Janet describes the moment she found out she had cancer, the different procedures she went through to get into remission. Like, have you ever heard of leech therapy? I had not either. And she also shares about experiences with family, friends, hairstyles, and her body. And she explains the biggest differences in how she thinks and lives now versus before her first diagnosis. If you're navigating a difficult time in your life, or you're struggling with living in the moment, or finding things to be grateful for, or maybe you're just looking for some inspiration to go after what you truly want in your life, this episode is for you. Janet shares her story with a lot of vulnerability and humor and I feel inspired after talking with her. So here's my conversation with Janet Node. Janet, thank you so much for being here today. I cannot wait to talk with you about all this. Oh, great. I well, you are welcome. It is a pleasure to be here. Yay. You're amazing. Yay. I absolutely love you. Um, and let's just dive right in, shall we? So do you have a certain quote or affirmation or anything that you'd like to share that has been meaningful to you? You know, it's interesting. Um, I am a two-time cancer survivor, and I've noticed that the moment that that comes into your life, you start really questioning a lot of things. And I found a Bible verse that helped me tremendously. Um, it is Isaiah 41.10. And so it says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your 
God, I will strengthen you and help you and uphold you with my righteous right hand. Mm. And I would say that when I would go into the big donut hole thingy, the big scanners, the, all the MRIs and the CT scans, I was saying that constantly. Wow. And, and literally I was visualizing holding God's hand. And so wow. it just, it just, for some reason gave me great peace. And I knew that no matter what was up ahead, it was going to be okay no matter what it was. So wow. thank you for asking that. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. So for it is a Bible that. scripture. Very mm-hmm. powerful. So can you share about the moment you found out you had cancer for the first time and what that was like? Okay. I will do that. I was actually, in hot. I know. I know. <laughs> We're really right getting off the right bat. into it. Okay. Actually, you know, um, it's interesting when you start doing mammograms and some of your audience may not have started them yet. And um, certainly they're pivotal. They're literally the cure for breast cancer is doing a mammogram Mm -hmm. because there's so much they can do with it. So I had been doing mammograms for quite a long time, um, had a particular one um, that all of a sudden it was, we're going to do a little bit more testing and we're going to do a little more testing. And then I actually had an x-ray given to me and it said, we're going to look at this spot right here. So that had never happened before. So all of this was running through my mind. So I kind of thought they're going to tell me I've got this. And I was really trying to be stoic. And I happened to be out with my daughter, Amanda, whom you know. Yes. She was, I was out with her when yeah. and never dreamed I would get the call late in the evening, but I did. And so I was trying to really hold it together. But, you know, my doctor came on and he said, it's malignant. And your mind has a hard time processing what, even though you think, I think they're going to tell me this, it's still hard. You're hearing those words and they're attached to your name. So it was, it was very, very scary. And now now I'm looking at Amanda, who at that time would have been around 17. And she knows that I'm waiting for the call. So I'm trying not to panic with her and handle it with, you know what, we're going to, everything's going to be fine. And inside I'm like screaming. I can't believe this is happening. And what happened to be very interesting for us is a close family friend of my husband's was an amazing breast cancer doctor. And so when I told him the moment I got the phone call, my next call was to my husband. By the time Amanda and I walked in the door, he was on the phone with his friend Mm -hmm. who was getting his wife on the phone, who was at an out of state conference. And she got on the phone immediately with me. And everything she said gave me great peace. I knew I was going to have a battle. I knew it may or may not need chemo, but I knew that right then everything, the clarity that you get in a moment like that for what your life is about, what's important in your life, um, just, it just comes into your mind and and you're never really the same. And I can even say that I had worked with a therapist for years prior to this, just off and on as life would bring about different things. And she always realized that I was always focused on everybody else around me, just not on me. And she said, Janet, when you got that diagnosis, everything was about you. You focused on you in a way that I've been trying to get you to for the longest time. Mm -hmm. So it was a real eye-opening pivot to my path and has stayed with me. It's just, if you love yourself, that's the first step towards health. Yeah. And it is just understanding that, you know, we're all on this, this path and, and sometimes big obstacles come out of nowhere and you're not expecting them. And I can tell everyone listening, you are so much stronger than you think you are. You just mentioned that, you know, when you hear news like that, everything changes, right? Mm. And 
So can you bring us into that moment in a way where what was going through your head and in what ways were, were you shifting like internally? Well, the fear is, is unbelievable when you know that you've got a situation ahead of you that you've got to face and you can't ignore it. You can't go around it. You have to face it head on. And you start to wonder, am I up for this challenge? And then instantly you have to convince yourself, yes, I am. And because life is always going to give us things that, that are complicated to get around. So I was just filled with fear for a moment there. And then I just, I'm looking at my daughter, I'm looking at my son and I'm realizing, no, everything that in my life is worth fighting for. And you just come to a place where there's no time for drama. There's no time to get all in a pity party. It's, you know, it's go time. It is getting into a fight to save your life. And um, so just the fear, just the fear was something that I, I had to overcome. But um, as with most people that have things like this happen to them, you got to get past that fear initially. Once you found out that you, you know, you, it was malignant, what was, what were the first steps as far as what kind of procedures did you have to go through? What was your specific process like with everything? Well, the first thing you want to do is, you know, you meet with your doctor and um, you walk in there. I remember walking in there and just hanging on every word that she said, but I had options. I could do mastectomy. I could do lumpectomy. Um, I happened to have had larger breasts then uh, than I have now. My natural ones were, I felt up for the challenge so that I, I was saying, okay, we could do a lumpectomy and would my chances be about the same for reoccurrence? And she said, yes, we can do lumpectomies. We've got to get a clear margin. And that was the that was the route that I took the first time around, which would not be the same that I took the second time. But initially, that's what I thought I could do. And, you know, what happens is, you know, they go in for a lumpectomy. They're also going to be taking lymph nodes because they want to see if your cancer showed it had the ability to move. So if it was landing in any of the lymph nodes, they've got to figure that out because then that means chemo. So we went in for the, the first lumpectomy. And I say first because there were more than one. Um, did not get a clear margin but did test the lymph nodes. She came back and said, this is not the news I want to tell you, but you know, it has reached your lymph nodes. So you're going to have to do chemo on the other, on the other end of this. And I did not get a clear margin. So we're going to do it again. And the second one led to a third one. So after the third one, it was, if we don't get a clear margin at this point, we're doing a mastectomy. Well, I did get a clear margin. So I really felt like, okay, I'm going to live my life with one facing this way and one facing this way. <laughs> wow. Because of the way that the lumpectomy kept taking it this way. Right. And, and just, you know, for anybody listening, so a lumpectomy is when they try to take, like they take part of the breast and mastectomy right. the full breast, just to clarify those things. Yes. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. So we felt that they could definitely, the size was uh, two and a half centimeters. And so they felt like they could do a lumpectomy and again, kind of, you know, then it tailors the look of your breast, um, especially when you have to do three of them. But, you know, it was just what was asked of me. I mean, you do what is asked of you. Yeah. So um, we went down that road and we were able to get a clear margin after the third one. And then it was on to chemo. And, you know, you know, you're trying to save your life with chemo, but the first thought really is about your hair. It really is about <laughs> I'm going to lose my hair. Yeah. At that time I had the thickest head of hair. And so there was just this moment where I thought, okay, I'm going to start the chemo, which is a scary process. Cause you know, you're, you're getting these chemicals placed into your body. 
But I just remember thinking, I am not going to wait for this hair to fall out. I'm going to go and get it shaved. Mm-hmm. And so that was really a big step in the process. Most people want to, you know, think about the chemo and I'm going, oh, but getting your get hair, hair on point, <laughs> got to get my hair taken care of. And did it feel like you and, were kind of taking the power a little bit where it's like, no, I'm going to go and get my hair done the way that I want it before going into this? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because, you know, you, you feel out of control yeah. and it's just taking that little step to go, no, I'm going to own this part of this. I'm going to own taking my hair myself. And I will say this because some people that are in this situation or are about to be in this situation, it's, it's great that I went into the gentleman that always cut my hair and I said, okay, let's just shave it. And he said, well, bring your camera, make sure that you have your best makeup on, wear your best earrings and come and we're going to have some fun. And I guarantee you, you will not cry. Oh, I was like, what an amazing hairstylist that is. I know it. I know it. So he made sure that the mirror was removed. He had a comedy channel, you know, comedy playing in the background. And uh, he gave me mohawks of all different kinds. We were taking pictures and I was doing, you know, really, you know, trying to be tough. And uh, we took a (laughs) lot of pictures and, and I, he kept distracting me over and over and over. And then when it came time to really just take it all, he left a little like peach fuzz all over my hair my head. And I said, well, wait a minute. Why is it not just clean? Cause all this is going to still fall out. And he said, you're going to have to trust me that when you reach up and feel your hair, your head, finding just a little bit of your hair still in there is a very comforting thing because you may not lose it all. Wow. And, and I didn't, and it was a great thing. And, and the other thing he did, I'll mention was two weeks before I started chemo, I had long hair. And he came in and he said, I'm going to give you a haircut and it's going to be short and it's going to be really stylish and really cute. And I said, why? Because I'm about to lose it all. And he said, because I need you to see what it's like with short hair, because I need you to recognize you don't have to wait until your hair grows long again for you to be you again. So he said, is this person? (laughs) This is amazing. Did he have a lot of experience with people? Wow. He had a lot of people. And so he realized you know, especially with those with long hair that he needed to give me a go between. And I loved the haircut. In fact, it was something he wanted me to do for a long time and I was never brave enough. So it showed me, oh, I don't have to wait months and months and months to still be me. So between that and, um, and the way that he did the Mohawks and all of that. And, and I never, I never cried through that part of it. It was just amazing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
my husband, when I walked into my house, he knew what I was doing and I wanted to go by myself. He started crying when he saw me because he knew the bravery that it took to do that. Mm-hmm. And I know people that have gone through breast cancer that are, or any type of cancer, but they have to lose their hair. And they're like, no, bring it on. I'll shave it. And, I, you know, it was not that way for me. I, I was brave to do it, but it was still something that was really bothering me because I wanted to look in the mirror and see myself. And when you don't have your hair anymore, you're not, you're not recognizing the person right away. And it takes a little bit of time to get used to the eyebrows being gone and the eyelashes barely being there. And, um, but you know, you start to see a new person. It's not the same person that you were before, but you see this new person that starts to show up every day and she's got determination mixed in with fear, but you start to recognize, I'm going to trust my reflection in this mirror. I'm going to trust this woman that, that I'm starting to recognize more and more. So it's, it, it's actually an amazing part of the journey is the losing of the hair. Wow. And that, still being there. That's yeah. amazing. I, I've never even thought about that just from, you know, a lot of hairstylists out there. They have that experience with people who are mm-hmm. coming in to get a different hairstyle because they're about to go through chemo or they are, they are going through chemo. That just blew my mind. Um, <laughs> so what, what happened next? You got the hairdo. What, what was the next step? Well, it's interesting because I got through that really well. And that the rest of that evening, we were going to go get a wig for me because I wanted to wear a wig. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting was I was strong. I mean, I was, I'd been through the worst of it. And I went to this wig shop and we were going to choose one and then he was going to style it. And the moment he started styling it, he took a phone call. And so I went from being so treasured by the gentleman that cut my hair to being so discarded by the gentleman that was trimming it, that I burst into tears. I, I just fell apart and said, I, I'm leaving again. Get me out of here. Um, it was just a, it was just went from one extreme to the other. But that was when you say what's next, for some reason that just stays in my mind because that was such a change for for how that part went. And it's unfortunate, but you know, when you lose your hair, you're gonna either do wigs, you're gonna do scarves. You're going to go without anything, you know, so there's some choices to be made. And I went, you know, thinking that I was going to do a wig and, you know, I've got great stories about my wig falling off accidentally and just, you know, all kinds of things. My mom uh, lives in Oklahoma City and I'm living in Houston, actually Dallas at that time. So she wanted to come visit me and she knew that I'd had my, you know, head shaved and I'd sent her pictures. And so she comes to the door and I open the door and she's standing there with the cutest little new do that was, you know, blonde and, you know, kind of similar to mine. And I thought, oh, uh-huh, you liked mine so well, you did it, right? I walked in and I went, oh, that is such a cute hairstyle. I can't, that like, looks great. And she went, oh, you really like it? She reached up and pulled it off her head. It wig. was a wig. She had shaved her head. Oh, And she's God. standing there with my bald head looking at her bald head. And I, and I couldn't even believe it. I said, well, what did you do? What did you do? Why would you do that? And I, I, I couldn't understand it. And then she said, Janet, I can't take this journey away from you, but I can walk it with you. Mm. And it was the most amazing gesture. And so as our hair was growing, we were constantly taking pictures and sending them back and forth as the little peach fuzz was growing out. But she was making sure that, that I was not going to go through this part of it alone. Mm. And I will forever be touched by that. 
Wow. Exactly. That's so nice. Um, Do any procedures stick out to you when it, when it comes to like the logistics of what it was like going through chemo or any other treatment? Well, when someone goes through chemo, it is, you are recognizing that you are harming your body to help it. And so you really have to try to keep it in a perspective that, you know, that, that you're understanding, I am actually doing something that's going to most likely extend my life. Um, now there are a lot of additional things that people can do with nutrition, with, you know, holistic approaches as well as a complement to that. And in some people, even as a replacement to that. But at that time, because this was originally 12 years ago, 13 years ago, actually. And um, that wasn't so much on the forefront the way it is now. And I'm encouraged that it is on the forefront of how people are treating themselves now with nutrition and exercise and meditation and aspects like that. But at that time, you know, you're going through chemo and you're, you're recognizing the, the changes that it it's doing to you. Your, your energy is completely zapped. Um, I knew that if I make it to a hundred, I'm already going to know what that feels like because just going from the bedroom to the kitchen was an enormous challenge. Um, I lost my taste buds. And so there was just this moment where, you know, you're really sensing the changes that your body is going through, but you know that there's an end to it. You know that that last treatment's going to come. And, um, and then at that point, then you move on to radiation and that is a whole nother, it's a daily type of a treatment that you're going through. And I was always amazed that again, back then you're, you know, you're laying on a, a mold that fits you so that they can establish where the radiation has to go. I was tattooed, um, I think five times, five, five little dots that I will claim. <laughs> yeah. What kind of tattoos and, are these? Are we going to get a show and, and tell? Tattoos, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it looked like I took a Sharpie and just went like this. I mean, that's right. how bold and radical I am. They're just little <laughs> dots, but I'm like, you know, um, so they line them up and I kept going, okay, well, these machines are doing radiation and, you know, it's doing something very, very serious to your body. And I kept thinking, shouldn't somebody be like strapping me down? What if I sneezed? I mean, where's it going to go? What if I moved? So it was just this very um, amazing experience to realize I'm going to have to lay perfectly still for it to only go to the area that I want it to go to. So hopefully maybe by now they, they kind of, you know, get people kind of tucked away where they won't be able to move. But yeah, it just, I felt very exposed during that whole process, but you go through the steps and, you know, there's six weeks of that every day and you get through that and you start to recognize that, you know, your hair is kind of sprouting out a little bit and you have a sense of spring renewal and things like that, that come about. And, and the whole time you're learning more about yourself. I mean, you're, you're learning about the process of battling cancer, but you're also learning who you are, you know, what, Mm. what is, what's important to you because you start to recognize how precious time is. And that is the biggest gift out of all of this is there's not a sunrise that I don't celebrate in some way. And I do catch myself looking at trees, looking at flowers, just appreciating being, just being here. And so going through that and then recognizing that, okay, there's no more evidence of disease. They tell you we're going to continually scan you now. And there's something very real called scanxiety that happens right before every scan. And they were scanning me every six months. And the marker was to get to two years. That was the first big marker. 
So every six months, I was doing mammograms. I was getting these different sonograms. I was getting different scans. And I made it to the two-year mark for that particular mammogram. And I was so excited. And my husband and I bought some champagne. And we were excited to get the results. And the results came back. Everything's fine. Go home. Everything's good. Yeah. We decided to celebrate the next day, which was good because we didn't pop the champagne because I got a phone call the next day. And it was my doctor that said, no, I don't like what I saw. I want you to come back in. And, wow. you know, and, and the look on your face is the look on my face. I went, oh my oh, gosh, you were just told something said- totally different, like 12 oh. hours prior. Right. Right. Oh and, and she said, no, I, I don't like something on there. So I went in and they did an MRI guided needle biopsy. Um, and found, you know, that it was a cancer. But the interesting thing is it was a completely different type of cancer and it was in the opposite breast because breast cancers don't recur in the opposite breast. They don't take that path. They go elsewhere. So this was a completely different type of cancer. And, you know, that's overwhelming because I didn't even make it two years, but my doctor sat down and she said, actually, this is good that it's not a reoccurrence because your first one showed it had the ability to move. We don't want to see that one again. This one looks like it stayed in the milk duct. And uh, at that point, the moment she was saying, you know, I've got this again, it's just like, you may have my breasts and you may have them right now. I will will lay on any table. You may just take them. Don't want them. Don't need them because I'm, I'm bigger than my, you know, my life is more important than my breasts. Wow. And, and that's when, that's when things got really interesting from a challenge standpoint, because I thought, okay, then I will do this double mastectomy. I will um, get, you know, implants and we'll move down the road. And the surgeon that she hand selected for me was saying, no, you, you've got a radiated breast. You can't put an implant in a radiated breast. It doesn't, the skin will not move the way you need it to move. So I'm going, so what do we do? Right. That's when, that's when he's like, oh no, we're gonna we're gonna harvest from parts of your body. And I certainly had things to, to give to the cause. So he's like, no, we're gonna go hip to hip. We're gonna open that up and we're gonna just harvest and bring tissue up and you know reconstruct the breast. So you'll go in the way or you'll go in the surgery room with breasts and you'll come out with breasts. It'll be 12 hours different breasts. But, different but breasts. it's gonna be the breasts will be different parts of yeah, like fat from different parts of your body. Yeah. Wow. My stomach, primarily my stomach. Wow. And I was at this point, I'm, you know, uh, it's too much for me to think about. And of yeah. course the doctor's like getting out books going, and this is what it looks like. And I'm like, no, no, this is not someone you show what that looks like. And it took me a while. And, you know, then he said, you know what you'll do, you'll have a tummy tuck. You'll never have to do a sit up again. And I was like, okay, no, wait a minute. I'm going to think about this here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to consider this now. And of course, you know, you're going to, you're going to want to move on with your life. So of course I said, yes, we'll do this. But I was scared to death. It was a huge surgery for me. Now there are people that go through much bigger surgeries for me. This was the biggest thing I could think of. I would have ever gone through and it was, yeah, it's a challenge. You've got to just, you know, remain um, just open to what your path is. You've got to trust your journey. And it's really hard because all of a sudden your journey looks different than you ever thought it would. But it is about living the life that you've got and trusting the journey that you're that you're given, that you're going to be able to navigate it. Yeah. And what was supposed to be a 12-hour surgery turned into 21 hours because I had a, a breast that was not 
willing to be reconstructed. It's a breast that did not want to survive. And I'm not going to point out which one it is, but it was like, I'm not, yeah, it just fought it. So they put me in my room and took me back in about five hours later for a seven hour surgery, put me back in the room and took me back about, you know, four hours later for a two hour surgery. And it was all trying to create blood flow in a breast that was just digging its heels in. So I, I will say without going into all of it, because there's just so much to talk about, but I will say that um, part of the process of that particular treatment was we needed to get um, blood flow out of my breasts um, so that connections would start to, to, to build. And so what, what happened was they came in one day and they said, we have an idea. And that's never good <laughs> when oh a doctor gosh. comes in and goes, is this a new idea? Have you guys done this before? Have you <laughs> What's been thinking? Be happening? <laughs> yeah. So, um, but he said, we're going to put leeches on you. And, yeah. Then, yeah. <laughs> what? Didn't even know that was oh, a yeah. thing. Had no yeah. idea. Oh yeah. I didn't either. And he, and he made it sound like nicer because he said, oh, there'll be medicinal leeches and we'll fly them in from New York city. And I'm like, oh, that's going to make it better. But the strangest things happened when you know, it's a process that nurses are not used to doing. So you had it, like leeches on the boob that was two, two, leeches, le- two leeches on a on boob that was this, giving you issues. On a space about that big, two oh, of them my God. every three hours. So for how long? Done, for five days. Oh my God. Every three hours for five what? days. Again, this was, you know, years ago. So, yeah. but yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I had the whole gamut of thinking, I'm going to start charging for this because so many people have come in and have looked at my breast, oh my, my, funky, right. little, my funky little breast. It's like, you know, I'm going to get a rope and we're going to have, you know, a $5 thing. But uh, it was, it was quite fascinating. Did it and the work? Very, no, it, it did didn't. not work. It oh didn't work. We got three days into it and it just wasn't working. And um, so the doctor said, okay, I think I may stop this. And um, the leeches went bye-bye. He came in the next evening and went, nope, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep doing them. And I said, well, the leeches are gone. So we had to order. <laughs> so here comes another shipment of them. But oh um, it, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't working. And so he finally sat down with me and he said, we're going to let this breast die. And then we're going to come in later and we're going to fix it. But it, we need to let it die. And it's a process that... Um, it's amazing what you're asked to do sometimes, but what I would tell the listeners, um, and it certainly is a strange story, but the most important thing I would tell someone out of this was a moment that I shared with one of the doctors who came in and, and she was an intern. And so she was there, you know, kind of watching everything that was going on. And she could see in my mind, in my eyes that I was overwhelmed at what was taking place. There's multiple surgeries, there's leeches, there's all kinds of things. She waited until all of the doctors left and she stayed behind and she said, Janet, you know, you're in control of this. And that made no sense to me whatsoever because I'm just having people tell me what to do. And she said, no, 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 you're in control and you've got to get in the game because it's more likely, you're more likely to have a more positive outcome if you are participating and you're not just sitting back being a recipient of whatever care is being asked of you. But you get in there and you're on your own team. You are a participant. You're asking the questions. You're wanting to find out what's going on because the more that you know what they're trying to do, 
the more that you know um, what the exposure is if you don't do something, then the more your body is going to be more positive. You're going to understand things. You're not going to be confused. You're not going to be as scared. But she said, you got to get in the game. And being your own healthcare advocate is something that I have absolutely learned from that experience. And it's, it's key today more than no matter what your age is, it's so key to be your own healthcare advocate and to understand what is being asked of you. Because once you understand it, then your body goes, oh, okay, now I know what you need to, now I know what I need to do to help you. If you know that you're wanting blood flow to go into an area, understanding that gets your body to go, oh, okay, I know what what you need to do. And another doctor came in and said, do visualizations, you know, close your eyes, do visualizations. And when they were going in and trying to, you know, um, eradicate the cancer, I remember I had a, a meadow, a field, a meadow in my mind, and these birds would come in every day and they would pick through the metal, pick the little gold nuggets and fly off with them. And that was so powerful to me. And every day I knew I was getting rid of cancer cells. Every day I would let this visit, I'd close my eyes and let my mind take over. And every day I just knew I had less and less cancer cells in my body. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So you've got, as an individual, you've got tremendous power to affect your health, to affect how you look at the world. And it it does come with trying to get a positive mindset, trying to embrace self-love and self-gratitude and being present and not totally looking back at all the regrets and the mistakes that you've ever made and and tacking all of that baggage onto you as you try to move forward. And it's not worrying about the future and what's going to happen and is this ever going to happen? And well, what if that happened? And spinning these stories that take you away from the moment that is your greatest power. And that is the moment where you are. It is being present because that is where your vibration is. That is where you have the ability to sit and be grateful. And, you know, I know people that they write in a gratitude journal. They think of the top three things they're grateful for every day. And what I'm understanding more and more is once you get into gratitude, it shifts your energy. It shifts it to something more positive. And it forces you, in a sense, to be grounded in the day that you have, the day that you've been given, which is really all that you really, really have is the day that you've been given. And it, it helps you to be grateful for things. And I've had some people that say, well, you know, I really don't know exactly what to say I'm grateful for. You know what? You got your eyesight, you got your hearing, you've got family, you've got friends that love you, you've got a roof over your head, um, you've got food on the table. There's always, mm-hmm. always something to be grateful for, always. And when you have to fight for your health, that adds a whole new level of gratitude just yeah. for, for every day, for just making the best of every day. I would love to know how that that nurse telling you that kind of shifted things for you going forward and like how you maybe took more control. It did change things because I found myself being a kind of a different individual. I, I can I can reference a couple of moments where yeah. um, I the very first time they put I can't believe we're talking about all this. The very first <laughs> time they put the leeches on, you know, they put two on and then 
the doctor leaves and the nurse leaves. Now at this point, I wasn't expecting to be left alone. Just and a couple leeches on your pillow. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I know, I know. Yeah. So my daughter Amanda comes in and she goes, "Ooh, a leech! Did you catch it?" She said, "A leech." And I said, "Because I wasn't looking down. I was like, how many do you see?'" And she said, oh "One." It was like. Get the nurse, get the nurse, get the nurse. Oh my God. The nurse comes in and obviously it has detached and it is looking elsewhere. So, <laughs> you know, the nurse yeah. comes in and I'm like, find it. <sighs> and if you all want to do that to me, someone is going to park themselves in this chair right next to me and stay with yeah. me the entire time or I'm not doing this. Yeah. And that is exactly what happened. Someone always sat with me with their eyes on what was happening. Um, and and that was very empowering to me. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing, again, with leeches is um, one evening, a nurse, I think I could tell, was called from another floor to come be my night nurse. And it was a gentleman. And when he walked in, his eyes were as big as saucers. And I recognized, oh, they just told you outside what you're about to, to do for the next eight hours with me. And he came in, he went to the far corner of the of the room. And my nurse that had been my nurse was like, okay, well, this, these are the leeches. This is what we're going to do. And he's over there going, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm." and she's like, well, so come over here. And he's like, I can see, I can see from here. And she told him all the things, you know, and I could just tell this man was not up for the challenge. And so the moment that she got done, I turned to this nurse and I said, I am sure you are a fine nurse, but you will not be my nurse tonight. So you need to go find another nurse. And that's exactly what he did. After he clapped his hands and said, thank you and ran out of the room. Oh my gosh. So you start to recognize, you know what? You need to be on your team. You need to get in the game. You need to ask questions. If you don't like the way something's going, you need to let that be known. So that's, that's amazing because I don't, I, I don't think a lot of people (laughs) realize they can even say something like that. You know, I don't, I don't think that's what we would even kind of our, our, default or, you know, go-to interaction would be, but I've been in situations where I'm like, man, I really wish that somebody else was helping me with this. And I never even thought to say, Hey, I'm not comfortable. Please go find somebody else. I think that's super empowering and something that we can all take away Mm -hmm. from what you've just said. What happened after that? Were you then, it, it was it, you were in remission at some point. What was that process like? Well, we found out during this whole second episode that my cancer had not moved to the lymph nodes. So I would not need chemo, would not need radiation. So it was primarily healing from the surgeries. And it took some months because of the difficulties and, and that. But I was in remission. Um, I had been in remission for two years previous, had the cancer again. And I'm you know, starting now to be in remission again. And then you go into every six months, you're getting scans, you're taking medication that um, there's numerous medications that they'll put you on that helps with, you know, cancer not coming back, keep you in remission as best that it can. But you're also um, put in a situation where you've got to, you've got to start doing things for yourself. You need to exercise, you need to eat right. And, you know, all of that I was told, but it didn't make sense to me until someone sat me down and said, think about it this way with nutrition there are vegetables there are fruits that in your body actually reduce uh, cancer cells actually you know uh, fight against this and boost your immune system lessen your immune system i mean there's just a lot of information out there and i'm going to be putting that on my website 
um, to just let people know what are the great foods that you can eat. Um, and also for exercise, think about when you stay sedentary, then things in your body don't move around the way they need to. The blood flow is not going. The oxygen is not going the way that it would normally do if you were exercising. Mm -hmm. So if you think about water and you think about a pond, if water is not moving in a pond, it stagnates, it festers, right? It can build bacteria. When you think about a river that's flowing, that's moving, none of that is taking place. So I had a doctor say, think about it that way. When you're exercising and you're sweating, you're moving things around through your body. You're not letting anything stay in one area and fester. And that was a visual that made sense to me. It, it really did. And so, and then you're sweating. When you sweat, you sweat out toxins. You get those out of your body. Um, so it's just learning how to take better care of yourself. And you do that because you learn to value yourself differently you learn that you're worth all of this. You have fought so hard to be here that you want to take the steps that they're asking of you. So, you know, meditating, oh my gosh, that is something that's been fairly new for me over the last couple of years, but there's so much power in focusing your mind and in keeping yourself calm and being guided through different processes. Because if you think about it, if you're in angst all the time, then your body stays in a state of dis-ease. You're not at ease. And so things over time um, can create issues and problems. And so um, it was empowering for me to become a healthcare advocate for myself. And I'm encouraging other people to do the same thing because what you're finding is you know your body better than anybody, better than anybody. So, you know, first of every month, feel yourself, feel your breast. It doesn't matter what your age is. Cancer doesn't know an age. Um, feel your breast, understand if something's different, and then go get something checked out. And as strange as this will say, finding something in your breast is the second best thing that you can have happen to you. The first best thing is always clear. Nothing is there. That is always what you want. But if something is there, the moment you find it from that moment on is your best chance to survive, to overcome. That is your greatest gift you've given yourself is now the awareness that I've got to, I've got to do something here. A lot of people, you know, are worried. I don't want to search for anything because I may find something. Mm. So anyway, so just becoming your own healthcare advocate is just an important, empowering empowering thing for you, no matter your age. And as a young woman in twenties and thirties, you may go, mm, I don't know if I'm comfortable asking this doctor who's 50, who studied his whole life about something, but the doctor knows what he knows. You're bringing your information of what your body is about. And so you know it better than he does or she okay. does. So it's just saying, you know, and, and if, and if a doctor says, take this medicine for something, then say, what are the most common side effects? What, what, how will I know when it's working? How long will that take? How will I know when it's not working? Will I be allergic to this? Um, what's the length of time you think I'm going to be on it? And just know those answers to those questions. Ask yeah. all you can, all you can do is, is either get the answer that you need or find out that the doctor's not the right doctor for you. Yeah. I love what you said about 
exercise and movement. I, mm-hmm. that visualization, that's going to stick in my head now of that stagnant, stagnant pond. And I right. love the way the, yeah, focusing on like the movement of your body is to get things flowing, to get the blood flowing and, um, you know, food as medicine, uh, is mm-hmm. super powerful. And I have, you know, I have another question, of course, whatever you're comfortable sharing, but I'm curious to know when you went, when you went through all of this, did you always think like, I'm definitely surviving, I'm going to make it? Did your mind ever wander to what if I don't? And what does that mean? Um, I don't know any cancer survivor that does not get brought to their knees occasionally mm-hmm. because you recognize it knows where you live. You know, you, you have that in your mind sometimes. Um, lots of people have reoccurrences or you find someone that um, you felt should have survived that didn't. Um, and so once you put yourself out there that, you know, I am a cancer survivor and you start connecting with other people, then you you start to get more awareness of the journeys that other people are going through. And you start to recognize everyone has that moment where it's like, wait, wait, what is this? This feels weird. Wait, what is this? And what happens if, if I, you know, I, I don't make it 10 more years or 20 more years, you know, you start spinning stories. And I will say that it took about three years for me to think past the moment that I was in to actually plan for things in the future, to think about the future, because you're constantly fretting because you don't know, am I okay? Is, you know, it's, it's a strange dynamic to all of a sudden, you know, you're coasting through your life. You're either coasting or you're making something happen in your life, but let's just say you're, you're, you're kind of getting a little numb to things. And then all of a sudden you get a cancer diagnosis and you can't get it out of your mind. You can't get it off the radar. You try to put it behind you. I have, I have months where I can go two or three months at a time and I don't think about it. Um, because the longer I go, I'm now 13 years from the first diagnosis. Um, the longer you go, then the more time kind of can be between panic modes, but, um, it is something that it is challenging. I know people that will say, Oh, you're, you're through cancer. That's great. Okay. Go live your life. This is super. And they mean well, but they don't understand that there's a whole mental aspect for cancer survivors, people that are remission, they want to stay in remission, they want to do all the right things. And they recognize that, you know, sometimes it's out of your control, but more and more, a positive attitude, visualization, meditation, taking care of yourself is going to be empowering. And it's going to set the stage where cancer is like, I don't want to go back in there. You know, it's, it's empowering yourself. It's, it's, but it's hard. It's hard. Some of the, some of the strongest people I know still have those days. They just need to pick up the phone and call someone and say, I'm really scared right now. Or I, I I feel differently and I don't know why, or, you know, so it's a struggle. It's a struggle, but it's also a very uh, empowering growth that you go through to recognize that I'm not going to just take for granted the rest of my life. I'm not going to take for granted anything any longer. You're going to soak it up. You're going to experience everything that you can. You're going to just be as much as you can on any given moment yeah. um, because you recognize it is a gift. Life is a gift. Right. Life is an absolute gift. And think about how long this earth has been in existence, millions and millions of years. This is your moment and time right now to be alive to have energy, to have love, 
to 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 explore who you are, what living is about. And it took thousands and thousands of people to bring you and I here. Thousands that went through all kinds of struggle and heartache and joys and triumphs to bring each of us here. So this is our moment. It's to be appreciated. It's to be lived. It's to be great. You're supposed to be grateful for things. And, you know, the bad things are going to happen. They're part of life. But you'll grow through all your experiences and you'll be able to understand, you know, you're worth the fight, no matter what is asked of you. And, um, and I, I had a lot asked of me, but by no means is it uh, more than anyone else. I mean, I know people that have been through much, much, much worse um, in severe cases and have had cancer, you know, four and five times. Wow. Um, so it is just something that, you know, be grateful, be present, be in each moment, own your health. It's, yeah. it's your greatest gift. And what, what I will say for those people listening, especially those that might be moms, is when you start to own your health, the people around you notice it. The people around you pick up on those cues. And your children, no matter what the age your children are, they always have the ability to learn from you. And they watch you. And sometimes you think you're getting away with stuff and and your kids are watching, they understand and they recognize. So how you face the difficulty, whether it's cancer, whether it's job loss, no matter what it is, how you face it, is teaching those people around you how they can face it. And when they see you standing up and fighting for yourself, it gives them the courage down the road when they may be asked to do the same thing in a similar situation. Yeah, absolutely. Everything that you've just said, (laughs) oh my gosh, so incredibly powerful. Did your family or close friends or anybody, did did you get treated differently when you were going through, um, when they, they found out you had cancer, you were going through your procedures. Can you share what that experience was like? Absolutely. Um, most people don't know what to say to you. Sometimes you just have to give people grace. Just give them grace that they may not know what to do. But in my particular situation, I spent about two weeks thinking, I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm going to soldier through this. I'm just going to let my family know. I'm not going to start bringing in a bunch of friends and all of that um, because it just seemed too much for me to take on the feelings of everybody else when I was just trying to focus on myself. And that would have been the greatest loss for me if I hadn't recognized, no, people want to help. They want to be there for you. And opening yourself up to receive that is a gift. And I had I had friends that didn't know what to do, but they knew somebody needed to be fed. So I have these angel friends and every night somebody was at the door with food um, and anything else that I needed. Um, they would celebrate my, ke- you know, chemo number three is down and are done. And, and, you know, and they would do luncheons and, you know, give me new scarves and things like that. So, you know, they, you know, you, when you have a really good set of friends, they rally around their wounded. Yeah. And they will be there for you, um, but it's 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 hard to you know you it's hard to open that up to people to say this is what I'm struggling with and this is what I'm going through because you know that look on their face and so sometimes you know to tell the right person you know that that person's going to tell a lot of people and so right. you know sometimes they do the heavy lifting for you yeah but um, yeah so it, it's 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 something that is is challenging because you're trying to deal with your own set of emotions. And, um, you know, you have to take on sometimes, especially your, your family and be there for them and let them, 
you know, see that no matter what is going to happen, you're going to fight with everything that you have. And um, yeah. And so it's just an interesting time with pandemic and things changing. And for a lot of people, there are a lot of people in struggle in situations they never thought they'd be in. And um, I just always want to let people know, you know, share that with people, let people come and help you, let people give you ideas and be there for you. And just recognize that all the little eyes around you are watching you as an adult. And um, yeah. Yeah. How did you think and live your life before cancer? And how do you think and live your life now? What are the biggest differences or changes? Well, I think before um, you really think you got all the time you got lots of time to make changes, to do certain things. Um, what I found was um, I was focusing so much on other people always. So it's just kind of an upbringing um, that I had that, you know, you start to recognize that you've been ignoring yourself in a sense. So I was living really focused on other people before this. Now I'm focused more on myself because you know, there's this little girl in there that wants to know that she's going to be taken care of. And um, I just found this new sense of self-love, self-nurturing, self-care, and that how you treat yourself is something that shows other people how you want to be treated. And so I'm living my life differently now and savoring everything. I tell people I love them all the time. You know, my friends, <laughs> I'm on the phone all the yeah. time. You know, you want to make sure that, you know, you're you're actively being who you are in that moment. So love is the greatest thing. And so being able to share your love with other people and receive that back is tremendous. So I'm just more, um, I don't know, I'm just more tender now. I'm more um, just appreciative of everything because in an instance, you can hear words that will change your life in an instant. Yeah. So you can't take things for granted. Yeah. And it's just, it's just being grateful. And when you're grateful for things, you know, more things tend to show up for you to be grateful for. But um, being your own healthcare advocate is something that's a huge change for me now. And I'm on the phone with other people too, saying, well, ask your doctor this and think about things this way to try to, to get people to embrace. Don't just sit there, you know, get on the field, get in the right. game. Active and active participant. Exactly. Don't just receive. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. So if anybody tuning in right now has just found out that they have cancer or they're going through treatment, what would you say to that person? Well, I would say, first of all, take a breath. There's time. It is, it is something that you can do research on from the standpoint of what are things that I can control And you can reach out to organizations. And one of the organizations that I'm a volunteer with is an organization called cancare.org, C-A-N-C-A-R-E.org. Anybody going through cancer, anybody that's a caregiver of someone going through cancer can reach out to this organization and they will match you with someone that's gone through the same thing you're going through to walk with you. And you as the cancer patient can determine, do I want a phone call? Do I want an email? You know, how do I want to be communicated with? How often do I want to be communicated with? And they will be there for you. So there are a lot of organizations like that that are around. Um, That is just one of them. But it's important to somehow connect with someone that has already been through this. Because if you're the the only friend in your friend group that's going through something, 
um, it makes you feel very different, very lonely in a sense. And so reaching out to someone um, through organizations, through getting on Instagram, through finding out who has cancer, through following some of their battles, it lets you see that you're not alone. There's all kinds of therapies out there and start to investigate. If, if anyone is listening right now that has just been you know, diagnosed, start understanding and recognizing that food is medicine, how you think is medicine, how you move is medicine, that you have so much more to contribute to the outcome of your particular situation than you can imagine. In fact, I, I always say in 50 years, they will not believe that we did not know what we don't know today mm. about what is what we are capable of within our own skin Yeah, for our mind and our desires and our goals and how we treat ourselves. Um, we have so much power. So it's overwhelming to hear you have cancer, to have someone look at you and say those words, but you've got time, take a breath and start reaching out to individuals that have it, start reaching out to individuals that can help you with, you know, diet and exercise and things like that. And then get in the game. Amazing you know, advice. Mm -hmm. Take a breath, strap your helmet on, get in the game because mm -hmm. life is worth living. Yeah. And then let's say somebody is tuning in. They don't have cancer. They're not going through treatment, but they are experiencing a significant challenge in their life right now, or they feel stuck, or they just feel like they are not happy. They're not happy with their day to day. What would you share with that person? I would probably ask that person. Um, to look in their history, because a lot of times people that have trauma in their history, childhood trauma, um, specifically, um, they find that things can overwhelm them quite easily because you don't recognize that you're staying in a fight or flight mode. Because if your history has had such that there has been an obstacle that you're have tried to overcome in the past and you can't seem to shake it, or, you know, you're overwhelmed by something, um, Usually that means that you may be in um, a situation where your body is constantly out of balance with the negative energy or just out of balance with your nervous system. And a lot of times it is just so there's so many resources. It's just recognizing that take a breath and, and reach out and try to find people that in either mental health or um, just coping strategies. But I will say that for those individuals that do not have cancer and want to keep it that way, everything that I've mentioned is for them as well. Mm -hmm. The meditation, the exercise, the food, all of that can keep you healthy. Um, and check your genetics out. That's the thing that, that I would also recommend. Um, if you have cancer somewhere in your family, get a genetic test. Mm -hmm. and, and I will also say I got a genetic test about 12 years ago. I didn't have the, the, the genes, you know, that contributed. And so I thought, well, that's great because, you know, I've got children and I moved about four or five years ago. And my new oncologist said, well, let's do some genetic testing. And I said, nope, already done that. And she said, well, not so fast. We're finding new genes all the time. And I was found to have a genetic mutation that they had just recently discovered. So know your body and a, and a genetic mutation doesn't mean an, an absolute, you know, um, things are going to happen to you. It just means you need to balance the scales. If you have an increase of 20% chance, then you need to go find out through food or exercise or meditation, how to balance that and, and, and decrease your chances. 
So there's this tremendous amount of control people have. So, um, and, and, you know, and everyone is struggling with something at some point in their lives. So you may feel that things are, you know, my friends all don't have these issues or I'm the only one and you're not the only one. They do have issues. You just may not see their issues, right? but everyone has challenges. You can't live a life bumping into different people and, and different obstacles in your life, you know, and different, you know, seasons of your life. You can't go through that without challenges. So just recognize that we're all doing the best that we can do. And there is a lot of growth in just self-love and owning who you are. Absolutely. Janet, you're incredible. (laughs) Seriously, thank you so much for being here. How can people find you and, and connect with you and book you for their event or their group so you can speak to them, all that good stuff? Well, I've got a website called JanetLivingRenewed.com. And I named it that way because once you fight a battle like this, you never see the things the same way. So you are renewed. Yes. All right, Janet. Well, I'll be talking to you very soon. And thanks for being here and have a great (laughs) rest of the day. Thank you. (laughs) How wonderful was Janet? Uh, Go check out Janet's website and Instagram for more of her message and content. She discusses trauma, fear, going after your dreams, no matter how old you are, being your own health advocate and much more. And you can reach out to her directly if you'd like to book her for your corporate or private group or event. And let's go ahead and wrap it up with an iTunes review of the episode. This is from Shy Accountant, I believe is the name. And it says, love the podcast. I've been listening to the podcast for years. I typically use Android products, but today I got an iPad. And the first thing I did once I set up the software is find the purple icon and give these girls the five-star review you they deserve. Oh my God. That's so nice. They bring a realistic perspective to self-care and have been so open and vulnerable with listeners. I cannot recommend enough. Wow. Thank you so much. What an honor that it's the first thing you do with this lovely piece of equipment you have just acquired. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. It really, um, it helps keep us visible on the charts, which grows the community and reaches more people who might really find value in in this content and the support everyone provides. So thank you so much. If you want to head over, you can leave us a review on iTunes. You can find information about my business simplicity coaching program at delaneyfisher.com. And we are currently accepting applications and interviewing for this summer. That's it for today, everybody. And we will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Self Helpless Podcast. You can find our Patreon community, merch, and our individual work at selfhelplesspodcast.com. We'd be thrilled if you shared this episode with a friend or feel free to post it on Instagram and tag at selfhelplesspodcast so we can repost you and say thank you. 